0: across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time it's my
1: life, I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin.
2: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today, Monday morning, the 1st of August on the Resonate Broadcast Network. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach. 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, a very good morning to you. So much to get through this morning and we want to look at a lot of things. We're going to catch up with Susan McDonald. Gary Noller will join us. We'll talk all things comm games and rugby league and we'll also try and talk about the sale of the Longreach Pastoral College as well. Who would have thought? Lots happening throughout. The Obviously, the Tambo races were on and the uh, Baku uh, beef bonanza, um, which was obviously huge as well. The big feedlot challenge. So much going on in our neck of the woods, uh, and we will cover it all this week. Big week, echo week in the lead-up. Obviously, a lot going on. The regatta beef off is on tonight. I know that there's lots of events throughout the course of the week. We'll try and keep up with everybody throughout the course of the week and keep you informed on Rural Queensland Today. It's a big show for you. It's Monday morning, Rural Queensland Today. Susan McDonald joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Let's start our Monday. Not regular, but um, look, Susan McDonald joins us this morning. The Senator... Good morning, Senator, Uh, 1st of August, horse's birthday, important day in the racing community and all these horses out there and and obviously, uh, but look, we've got so many issues going on um, on our shores at the moment. There's an energy crisis, there's no two ways about it and we've now got dramas with gas which could have been prevented well, well, well before this time now.
3: Good morning, Ben. And yes, I was very sorry to miss you on Friday, but I was at the Mariba Field Day. Well, more accurately, I was on a plane getting to the Mariba Field Day. So uh, that was a terrific day. But I, the gas crisis, is, it's just been like a, a very slow, you know, uh, tsunami of issues. And, and But most importantly, Queensland, Victoria, Northern Territory have got to bring new gas supplies online. It's as simple as that. So, you know, these people, they come out, they do their uh, projects, they do their cash flows and business studies, they write a contract to sell the gas, and then when the states refuse to allow any more gas to come online, suddenly, it's somehow the problem of the original people that they need to sell their product at a cheaper price. Can you imagine? I mean, they did it in South America, I think it was Argentina, and they decided they needed more beef supplies than the states, and so they... They told exporters they couldn't get the best price, they couldn't sell offshore anymore, and it killed the industry. People stopped investing in genetics and and herds and and it just grounded underfoot. I mean, that was years ago, but this is the principle. If you want people to expand and invest in something, you've got to give them a crack at getting the best price for their product. Gas supply is no different. In Queensland, we have still big gas reserves. In the Bowen Basin, around Wurrumbach, they are domestic supply, uh, and yet they just can't get to market because they can't get the Queensland government to speed up the approval of the gas pipeline uh, to take that take that out. Of course, we know Victoria, and New South Wales—they've got bans on extracting gas, but they're very happy to take Queensland. Well, you yeah, know? this so, is what
2: I don't understand. And can just explain this to me. The state government were very quick on giving the approval to foreign-owned companies, and we've seen that the debacle. You know, we've seen a debacle that's gone on. You know, there's no two ways about it. Yet, good Queensland companies that want to look after our own, they they don't want to see it prosper. It, it, it is, it's almost like a deal was done, and that they don't want to see us look after our own, and, and that that's how it reads to me.
3: Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's as as black and white as that. There were plenty of Australian uh, gas companies who did the exploration, who started up. Gas fields and then sold out to the bigger blokes. Uh, so, you know, that's been going on uh, since, uh, well, certainly in Queensland since uh, CSG started. Uh, and we developed in Queensland, you know, it was bloody hard. And uh, it was only with the establishment of the Gas Fields Commissioner with John Cotter and, and that team that we started to get really good process of uh, land access agreements and compensation payments. And that really helped people to feel that they were part of the, the journey and discussion, the landholders, that is. Uh, but, you know, as time's gone on, it's just harder and harder to approve any new projects. And, of course, you know now with the Greens being in federal parliament, you know, they're violently against any any new uh, gas or coal projects. We know that we need uh, gas and coal to firm our, our electricity, our energy supply. Um, other countries around the world are now rushing into legislation to reopen uh, their coal and gas fired power stations because they'd tried to walk away from them too quickly. They'd tried to move to renewables too quickly. And for those of us in regional Australia whose transmission lines are barely up to scratch now, more renewables means uh, you've got to redo the transmission lines, you've got to rebuild them in order to take the higher voltage. Now this is you know, we are going to get shortchanged very quickly if we're not careful in regional places, the places where they want to build the renewables, but nobody wants to build the transition lines.
2: Is there a happy medium where both could live and, and swim in the same space? It, 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 like, I, know, I, I understand renewables are part, but is there a time or a place where you could have both working in unison?
3: Yeah, of course they can. I mean, in Queensland now, we're, we're generating... Uh, uh, about eighty percent of our energy from gas and coal. twenty uh, percent is renewable. So renewables are coming into the mix, whether it be rooftop solar, uh, wind farms, these new solar uh, farms that they're building. So you know you can over time be slowly bringing on more renewables. I mean if you think about when new technologies are bought on uh, previously I mean it took oil a hundred years to to push out horses and uh, steam engines and whatnot. But we want to have this transition within 10 to 15 years and it's just very, very expensive. It will cost uh, the taxpayer and the energy user uh, a huge amount of money. I mean, they've already got prices up. 30% are telling me on the table end, 30% farmers are paying more for uh, electricity, for uh, diesel, for uh, water. So you know we can we can uh, get the outcomes we want so long as we do it in a scale and a time frame that doesn't uh, cripple people in their business, doesn't cripple jobs, and doesn't cripple food and and business production. So you know we can do this, but not overnight, which is what the plan is currently.
2: Susan Macdonald, our guest this morning. We're going to take a break. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Our guest is Senator Susan MacDonald. This is Monday morning, the 1st of August. Susan, can I talk to you about Wellcamp and obviously this quarantine facility? I am a huge fan of the Wagners, regardless, I think, what they do. they good Queensland company, and they, but the state government have really, really, really made a big error here, yet Anastasia Palaszczuk is still trying to blame Scott Morrison and the government at the time, for this debacle? <laughs> you
3: know, it's a big stretch, isn't it? The federal government committed to uh, building the facility at Pinkenbar, made sense, close to the airport, close to tertiary hospitals, uh, a facility um, you know near the city so that it could be used for other purposes. But no, Palaszczuk decided that they would go and rip up uh, Queensland taxpayers' money Um, $280 I think it ended up being, for a facility that uh, has not been used. Uh, Now, it was a great business deal from the Wagners. They own the land. It's a lease back of the facility. They will get the facility back, and they'll make a lot of money out of using it for concerts or uh, other purposes. But the Queensland government paid for that. The Queensland government, you and me and every other Queenslander, Paid for it because Palaszczuk and her Labor mates were too interested in political point scoring and wanting to go at their own and, you know, God knows what other reason, rather than, uh, you know, have a joint plan with the federal government to build a quarantine centre in a place where it would be used. Uh, that would work for Queenslanders and Australians. As why? They
2: why, why? Why would they not listen? That's what uh, the biggest question I don't understand out of everything that's gone on. Why would they not listen?
3: Well, because they perfected over the, the two years of COVID, uh, they perfected, the, the Premier perfected standing up at press conferences, uh, not doing what was agreed at National Cabinet, not following the guidance of the Chief Health Officer. Uh, but instead having your own chief health officer and doing it differently in Queensland. Now, normally I would applaud that because that's the way we roll, but not in this instance. Not in this instance where, do you remember the border blockades where we had families broken up? We had boarding school kids unable to come home. We had uh, uh, truck drivers having to test on the border uh, and then um, not have enough hours left in their day once they'd queued to go and do the job. We had the most ridiculous border restrictions and uh, and different restrictions in this state to anywhere else. And this is just the cherry on top of the cake to build a, uh, a quarantine centre uh, where nobody thought it was needed. Nobody thought it was a good idea. Um, and now we've got a $280 million white elephant because the Queensland government uh, just doesn't have any financial controls are out of control. We're hospital ramping. We're ambulance ramping. They can't make ends meet, and so what do they do? Well, they go to tax the, the coal companies again, try and put their hands back in their pockets uh, because they're finally making a little bit of extra money. You know, it's, it's outrageous.
2: Can we will and will we um, ever see the? federal government take control of the health system in this state because of the inability we, we are in diabolical situations with health and I understand it's in the it, it's on the onus of the states but we've got to the point now where we, it's proven that the state and, and you're a Queenslander the state the state government isn't up to running our health system we are absolutely in a diabolical mess it, would there ever well, be a ch- chance that, that that it gets taken over again
3: well, I, I hope not because I do think that things are better run more locally where you know what the issues are. But we know that this is fixable because when Lawrence Springborg came in as the health minister in 2012, I don't know if you remember but how badly out of control health was then. We had massive waiting lists, dental, uh, a hospital. Um, uh, you know, the, remember the IT systems, doctor death at Bundaberg. You know, it was just a litany of disasters. And Lawrence came in and through uh, using plain common sense, respect for his de- department uh, and the way he organised things, uh, within a very short space of time, the department was running two budget. That, that fixed the hospital waiting list, that, um, you know, this, this is doable so long as you've got people who are competent running the show. And look, you know, I obviously think that Labor is doing a terrible job I can't understand why Queenslanders voted them back in at the last election, but they did. That is their choice. But I I would really be suggesting to people that at the next election, uh, in two years' time, that they'd be saying, you know, we're done with you. We're going to give the other mob a go because you couldn't run, and now insert any other expression you like, you can't run things. You're running out of money. Uh, You want to keep increasing taxes, not actually run things efficiently. Uh, so I, I think if we hand things over to the federal government, we will just get decision-making run from further away, and I don't think that's ideal. I believe in the states. I think states should run uh, I,
2: Are country. they doing enough? Well, I had Murray Watt on this show last week. Do you, do you think they're doing enough now, or is it too little too late?
3: Oh, this is on foot and mouth and lovely yep. skin disease? Yes. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, it's now just over four weeks since foot and mouth was discovered in in Bali, uh, I think the response has been incredibly slow, uh, and he keeps saying we're doing the most that any government has ever done. You know, I, this is this is not a competition. This is what is appropriate to do to protect Australian farmers, graziers, truck drivers, uh, anybody who's connected or, or makes a business out of um, uh, out of, uh, of pigs and sheep and, and, and goats and cattle in this country. And consumers, consumers who are at risk of having higher prices. So, you know, I think that the steps they're taking have been good. They've just been slow. Uh, It's been frustrating to see that it's only last weekend that they've rolled out the footmaps into Perth where there's, you know, direct flights going into there. Um, It is my understanding that the disease is is coming under control in Bali. You know, it's a smaller island. Uh, But I am trying to check in with... um, with live exporters on the ground and just find out if that's you know that's the case. Because, you know, in a proportionate response we have a we have a lot to lose and, and our biosecurity, and whether it's foot and mouth or lumpy skin, whether it's veromites, whether it's uh, crazy yellow ants, you know, these are all things that we should be trying to keep out of this country. And I just don't think we can take too many steps to to, uh, to ensure that happens.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're dead right. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, and obviously, as usual, we're going to see you at the Echo. People will be able to catch up with you, no doubt, at the Echo this year.
3: Look forward to seeing you and uh, everybody
2: else, Ben. Good on you. Rural Queensland today, Senator Susan MacDonald. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back with more. Gary Noller joins us next. Well, as I said at the start of the show, it's Echo Week. It begins at the back end of this week. Uh, RNA Beef Cattle Committee Chair is Gary Noller, and he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Gaz, good morning. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, great, Dobbo. Yeah.
2: Uh, Obviously, the number of entries in this year's Royal Queensland Show stud cattle competition have been finalised, along with the judges for each rink. It's been more than a 1,000 days since producers were able to last show their cattle at the Ecker. So that in itself is something that I hope we never have to go through again. Um, We are obviously looking at 22 different breeds throughout the, the course and it is going to be a very, very big few days. No doubt about that. The 1069,
1: somebody told me yesterday, who was doing some uh, some math. So, um, yeah, it's been a long time. We've uh, certainly had some pressure. We've changed things around so much with schedules to make things work for those um, exhibitors of ours, the loyal exhibitors that pretty much, um, uh, it takes a long time to feed cattle and it's very expensive to feed cattle to get to a point where um, uh, you enter a paddock to pallet, you enter a, a, um, a prime cattle competition or a let's deer competition and certainly with our stud cattle. Uh, a lot of expense, a lot of time and effort goes into it uh, with the genetics. And our generational turnaround means that every four or five years we actually see those results. So um, a lot of effort, as you said, and, and um, we're back and we're on this year. Um, our prime cattle uh, competition was run, postponed and run again. But um, uh, yeah, look, numbers numbers are, are still very good. We've had one or two of our, um, our bigger uh, operators in terms of fitters drop out, but the numbers are only about 40 behind what we would normally have. So very excited to be able to hold the show this year.
2: How big a factor, and I say this genuinely, I live with live in Brisbane every day with work and so COVID is very much just a thing that goes on and we all manage it, but how big a factor has that been with some of the exhibitors who are concerned?
1: Not a big factor this year at all. It hasn't even registered, I don't think. Um, uh, I, uh, well, globally and um, certainly in Australia, we're learning to live with COVID a little. Um, our guys, even when and through the height of it in 2020 and 2021, um, they were isolated anyway. They quite enjoyed the fact that they could go to work without masks. So could. Um, it's it's all, as you know, you know dust and and um, green grass and uh, uh, you know nice fresh air. So they weren't worried about COVID as much as probably some of the other things that are facing us at the moment.
2: Yeah, well, that's um, obviously, that's a really big positive. Can I ask this, Gary? I mean, I I, I feel in some ways the reason that we showed cattle at the Ecker was not only for the people who are in rural and regional Queensland to watch, but also the city people got to watch it. And unfortunately, just through timing now, the ECHA starts officially on Saturday. But by then, the majority of the judging is done. Now, in a world where we are trying to obviously get people to have a look at and and get people in the metropolitan areas get a better understanding, is there any chance that we will ever get back to the place where they are able to and judging is done on legitimately the first day that everything is open?
1: Um, I don't know. It's very costly, as we've you know we've, we've suffered yeah. some some fairly costly oh, years 100%, over the 100%. Yeah. so to run run a show, the cost to run the show per day is astronomical. Um, but and um, the reason we, we we cut back one more day. Uh, this year, though, uh, we've got a couple of days, and certainly the second week, we, we uh, some of the cattle go home and more cattle come in. Dairy cattle are here, and we've got some beef cattle coming in the second week as well. So there are days, every day, there are beef cattle here. And um, next weekend, so Saturday, Sunday, 6th and 7th, um, the beef, the big beef, the majority of the big beef cattle will be here. Uh, we've put our champion of champions um, on Saturday morning at ten thirty in the main ring, which yeah. will be the spectacle. So the best of the best will be out there. Two hundred head uh, they'll be paraded around, and um, for three or four hours uh, we'll be ju- the parade. Uh, we'll judge the champion female, champion male, the champion pair uh, in the breed, each breed, and um, that that will be uh, a spectacle. Everybody can watch from the, the grandstands and. Um, uh, and that's the reason we've done that is just to, to change that time frame. Sure. It used to be on a Friday and um, we just wanted to – It is use- hard
2: though, isn't it? You understand? I, I mean, yeah, I'm, a, like- I'm not one bit critical of the RNA because I understand the, what they've been through and I understand the last two years and prior to that and I also understand the OH&S and, and, and the juggernaut that that is and, and animal liver, all that. I get it all. Yeah. yeah there, yep, there's yep. a lot of moving parts in it. But I, The I, other I, thing,
1: mate, yeah. we're one of the few – well, we are the only now um, uh, royal show in Australia that actually judges in our main arena. Um, now we have to share that with a lot of other counterparts. So our horses come in uh, that timetable, and traditionally, look, it's been been this way for a long time. Uh, we used to start the show on a Thursday. It's now Saturday for this year. We sure. we may go back to a Friday next year, but um, uh, and that that will depend on non factors outside of our control, like. Like the COVIDs and a few other things in in, uh, in the industry uh, that that are, that are around, but um, what uh, that will do for us is um, uh, give us an opportunity. We uh, and the second week, other other species uh, occupy that ring for, for um, and and their traditional things that have been going. So it's a matter of being able to showcase what we can when we can um, with the um, uh, and we really have nowhere else to go and uh, it's the biggest spectacle it's one of the most loved um southern hemisphere shows because we are in the ring all at once and um the beef community and the, and the city folk get together um uh and uh, you know from from the other uh, not too many city folk come into the ring to watch no. Uh, no. that's mainly the country guys but they'll sit on the outsides and, and soak it all in and um uh, you know, it, it's one of the few times that we we're, were able to do that. But the spectacle of all of those cattle in the ring for those two days is just um, something that's um, uh, been been uh, uh, pretty much put up there as, as um, lauding it as one of the best spectacles in, yeah. in the southern hemisphere in terms of the show.
2: I love that the champion champions will be on Saturday. Um, obviously, there's lots going on, and and, and 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 a lot of people. Will there ever be a position where, or is it just not logistically because of that? set up there now that the prime cattle will go back there and there'll be prime cattle sales, or is it, as it got to the point where, and and it's a hard thing, we have to evolve, and and gone are the days where you can have portable panels and people walking in and out, and is it it got to more an OH&S issue (coughs) around the safety of of, of somebody, that's the reason why we moved it? Yeah, Um our... our footprint is tightening. Um, you know, we we uh, have a regeneration
1: going on here, Cross River Rail in, uh, yes. that's being constructed on the other side. We're, so we'll have a permanent um, uh, station here with Cross River Rail, the uh, uh, rail station in in, uh, in the showgrounds. Um, and regeneration had to happen, uh, and we're doing it better than some of the other other shows as well. Uh, we, you know, old. Um, diminishing buildings, uh, a lot of repairs needed. Uh, something had to happen. So before I actually got onto the council, uh, that decision was made. Yeah. But in in the term of you know, so coming down Gregory Terrace with um, doubles of um, prime <laughs> cattle from feedlots and everything else, when great when nice. it's under construction, just great days. Yeah, <laughs> the atmosphere is fantastic. But and um, OHS o- people just, oh, just cringe and want to go back into their into their little tents. But yeah. um uh, the other thing is the animal welfare. Uh, so we're sitting here from Wednesday through till uh, Saturday morning before and those cattle are run through temporary panels. So we just wanted to straighten that up a bit, and sometimes it's uh, you know Wednesday through to to, um, Monday before they're processed. So in terms of meat eating quality and a whole heap of other things, we decided to um, uh, we're forced into it. With um, in 2020 when we weren't able to hold a show, and that decision was made back in April May. Uh, So we decided then look as I um, when I opened, I said uh, we tried to do things through those COVID years to um, uh, you know it's it's a big expense to feed cattle so we tried to give them an end point uh, so they were already in the process of feeding cattle for that competition uh, so we decided to go somewhere else and Silverdale was the chosen venue at, um, where we can't go west of the range because of um, ticks you can't take um, eastern cattle back to the west uh, without a lot of um, chemical and other things to, to control uh, and a lot of lot of restraint in terms of uh, travelling cattle back that way but uh, we are out there then we were there last year Things like our, our, um, our Young Auctioneers competition run with Alpa, um, it is something that's diminished. We understand the tradition. We certainly understand the social side of it. But we also think that it's now time for us to try and build something different in a different place with the same aspect. And um, at the same time, our, and why do people do this? Why do, why do people come to the show with cattle um, despite the expense? It's about... There's a big social aspect, as I said, and a a traditional aspect to it, but one of the main reasons is we've a prime slotted time in terms of the year and the calendar uh, to run a show and promote a lot of the the seed stock industry uh, just before all of the the spring bull sales that happen from uh, late August through to October. And um, that's why our exhibitors really get get, um, to the point where – uh, this this becomes part of their calendar from that promotional and, and um, showing off their, their their goods, winning a ribbon, so that um, you know their averages at their mall sales have, have a, a bit of a tendency to, to um, have a chance to come up if that's the case. Yeah,
2: yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Hey, I appreciate your time, yeah. Gary. I'll see you this week. It's a big week for you. Um, Thursday and Friday Thanks, judging is that pri- is that when yeah, that's message, right. that, Thursday yeah, Friday that, this that's, week?
1: That's right. Lead steers on Wednesday, so the open lead is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday stud cattle, champion of champions on, on um, uh, Saturday. Uh, our parade of competition Saturday afternoon in Main Ring and um, we have another parade at the opening on uh, Sunday. So um, that's the program this week. This week And next week we have a changeover in the shed. Um, less numbers but still a very good showing of 100 um, beef cattle. Uh, the dairy cattle come in. Sure. We've got sheep and goats take our position in, in the new building and, um, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the next two weeks.
2: Really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, Thanks, Dave. So, Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. We're going to stay with a bit of politics. Lachlan Miller, member for Gregory, joins us this morning. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, mate. How you going? Not bad at all. Uh, happy Monday, 1st of August, and a um, uh, big week in Parliament, estimates week in the uh, state government. Can we just talk about World Camp and, and that debacle first? Um the premier she she doesn't want to um, in any way take responsibility for what's gone on, but like this is a dog with fleas and and I, and I got no problem with the Wagner's building building a quarantine facility. I think well done to them, uh, good people. But gee whiz, the government they, they, they got mud on their hands on this one.
0: Oh yeah, John Wagner saw them coming, didn't he? Um, <clears throat>
2: basically, uh, yeah. There's two 200- hundred
0: million dollars that could have been spent on doctors, could have been spent on our health service, but it was spent on a white elephant. Hardly being used, mate. And uh, look, <clears throat> this will go down as one of those great wastes of money in Queensland. And what really gets me, what really gets me is that, you know, Stephen Miles reckons he would have built quick, we uh, should have built it sooner, What waste the money even sooner. I mean, mate, look, you know, we've got to be careful with our money here in Queensland. There's not a lot of it. And the one thing that taxpayers hate, people out there listening to this radio hate, is when governments waste money. And, no uh, doubt. No uh, question about I, I think Labor does They've done an A-grade job of that. They've wasted uh, a hell of a lot of money and, uh, you know, we should be using it on things that we need, such as doctors, nurses and fix, fixing our health system.
2: Yeah. And, and the big thing about it is that we need to make sure that we can we can survive here and what will happen – is there going to be enough pressure on the Premier that that, that, that potentially she, she could, in the end, buckle or be rolled from within –
0: I don't think so, mate. I think I, I think uh, you know the Labour Party just have no concept of money, mate. They just don't have never never had any. I suppose never had any concept of earning their own uh, earning their own dollar and knowing what a dollars worth. I just don't think they get it. Whereas people out there listening to your radio program get it very much. You know, we're struggling as it is with cost of living. You know, trying to meet our uh, electricity bills, telephone bills, uh, school fees. You know, so on and so on. But. I tell you what, there's some irritated people out there at the moment when they see, you know, um, you know, this money being wasted, two hundred million dollars. I mean, we desperately need that money. Uh, in, you know, uh, but i have only heard over the weekend we're paying, you know, up to four thousand dollars a day to get locums into regional Queensland, such as radiologists or, or, uh, or, you know, or specialist GPs. I mean, our
2: health system's in a very bad way, and we're we're bleeding money, <clears throat> and all this government can do is waste even more of. Them. Yeah, and and that's the big thing, isn't it? We just need to make sure, moving forward, that we are across this. Now, mate, let's talk about another thing, Longreach Pastoral College. Uh, The Longreach Pastoral College property will soon be for sale on the open market. Two and a half years after this government closed the gate on a Queensland Agricultural Training College venues. Now, it's planning to market the 17,511 hectare site via an open expressions of interest process. My God, my God! Mm-hmm. Talk to me through mm-hmm. this. This is just horrific. Oh, mate, this has been just a long, pain
0: episode of how uh, you know agricultural education is not a priority of this government. So these colleges were shut down. They uh, locked the gate. Even Mark Turner went up and locked the gate at Longage Pastoral College around about three years ago. It's taken them this long to try and sort through them. In the meantime, we have a skill shortage. We have. Uh, basically uh, a massive skill shortage in agriculture uh, we have very little agricultural education by this government which once had this the Queensland government back in the you know, in the Sir Joe days made the you know these colleges were opened back in 1967 that was the long reach and 71 was the emerald ad College these were basically you know the pride of agricultural skilling in Queensland they were you know they were they were uh, colleges that you know young men wanted to go to, uh, but under labor they let it go. Now they're selling it. Uh, you know this is this is a, a very sad, and uh, we're going to see a historic place such as the Longwich Pastoral College go up for sale.
2: Unbelievable. So what will happen to it? Who's going to buy it? Is there a chance that it could it, it, that it could potentially be turned into something more than what it is? I mean, you've got Emerald there um, sold for thirty two million. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went – but is there any chance that, that somebody else could build it as a training facility?
0: Well, I hope so. I hope so. I have heard there are some interested uh, people out there looking to use this as an induction course for you – know, obviously when, you know, your young ringers come along and, and go and work at these big pastoral uh, houses, mate, uh, where they can just do that one-stop shop <clears throat> induction courses and extra training for uh, their skilled uh, staff. Uh, so I have heard that. There is there is some interest out there. Uh, whether that happens or not, I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But um, geez, it'd be good if it would, mate. It'd be good if we could keep that as a training facility because it's perfect. Longreach is absolutely perfect for a great training facility for, for agriculture.
2: How do we get, and I mean this, how do we get to the point where we are in, in a a position where our health system starts to get, you know, more solid foundation behind it. We have our training facilities, like Longreach, um, looked after. We just seem to be, every single year, talking about something that is just an absolute certainty being changed by this government.
0: Yeah, mate, and that's the problem. They they seem to go from one disaster to another. How do we change the health system? Well, we start putting the doctors and nurses back in control, mate, and take it out of the hands of the bureaucrats, stop wasting money. And give, uh, you know, certainty and, and start, uh, you know, when Lawrence Springbok was our health minister, mate, we had our waiting times way down, way down. Now, we've just got to, and the reason is we put the, the doctors and the nurses back in control and uh, and, and basically had, uh, you know, a bit of transparency about waiting times. But, you know, you, we, we, I guess, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, governments have got to work for the people. Uh, and, you know, our job is to work for everyone, mum and dad out there everybody out there to make sure that we spend their money wisely and provide the services now this is what this government's got to do does it do it we'll find out uh, you know this week estimates, of what else has been uh, a problem and, and one of the issues I'm, I'm looking at at the moment mate is obviously roads and the you know five billion dollar maintenance uh, funding blowout or, or have it, hasn't been spent in road maintenance funding across regional rural Queensland mate you know they're the things We've got to
2: get on top of. Yeah, you're dead right, and that's the stuff that we've got to look at. Um, and we're going to have to ha- we're going to have to have these conversations. The premier won't come on the show, uh, but we will continue to keep everybody abreast of what is going on. Appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy estimates this week, mate. And it's great to chat. Uh, so much going on in this neck of the woods, in this space, and, and I'm pleased that people like yourself are constantly asking the questions of the premier. Thanks so much for being with us this morning.
0: My pleasure, Bill. Thanks,
2: mate. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Hope you've enjoyed the show for the 1st of August, Monday morning, August 1. Have a great day, Queensland. We'll be back tomorrow. Remembering, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll see you later.